0: Welcome to Midwife Monday. I'm Jay Lynn, and I'm one of the midwives at Holistic
1: Heritage Humber. And I'm Andy Weirich. I'm also a midwife with Holistic Heritage Humber,
0: and welcome to Midwife Monday. How exciting. We had a baby yesterday. I always think it's really convenient, y'all, it doesn't normally happen, when our month finishes.
1: I said that too. I was so pumped. Like, all the April
0: babies have come. Yeah, that means everyone that was due in April had their baby in April. It. Cause sometimes y'all babies don't know the schedule, so they'll come before, they'll come later. But we finished off April. Good
1: job, and that babies. was yesterday.
0: It was a great birth. She did amazing. Um, she said three home births. It was her first water birth. She said game changer. Beautiful. It was pretty cool. I oh, like no. the water too. Yeah.
1: Did you have, you had your, yeah. I had my first one in about two inches yeah. of water, but I claim it was a water birth because I wanted it so, and then the other you two. You were, were in the water. <laughs> <laughs> in the water. Then the other two were fully submerged uh, in the pool. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't know that I would want a water birth. I loved it. It did something. Yeah. It was a sweet birth. Bob, daddy caught the baby and he said. Like at the other birth, she had a bed birth, and there were other people around, and he really couldn't get in there, and he said it was really awkward. But this time, he was in the tub with her, and he called his baby, and he was so happy about it. So romantic. Young. It was really cute. Very
1: sweet. So as we talk about babies today, we're gonna discuss something we've never actually discussed before, and I realized it the other day: the newborn exam. So in case you never knew. Midwives um, can take care of babies for their first month of life. So of course we're doing that newborn exam that traditionally would be done by um, a pediatrician in the hospital. Midwives are doing it. So we take care of pregnant
0: people as well as babies. Yeah. And oh, the newborn exams probably my favorite part. I just love talking to that little baby and getting my hands on him because we really don't hold the baby even for the newborn exam, right? The baby's laying in front of us and we're doing the things but we don't snuggle babies because babies stay with their parents. As they should. As they should. So I, it's always my little peek, like, hello, little baby, because I feel like I have known this baby already, because mm-hmm. we've been talking to them the whole nine months, practically. Yeah. And I really love the way we do
1: it. And, and I've seen a couple of other midwives do it just the same. We really value the baby. They are a human being. They are completely conscious little people. And I explain it in in my stethoscope, I'm going to touch you, I talk to them with respect and I explain everything I'm doing and I think it's really valuable, we don't go in another room, we do it right there, right in front of the parents, within three feet of them really and we explain everything we're doing, what we're hearing, what we're seeing and that's what we're going to do now is explain to you how we look at them head to toe and what we're looking for and sometimes what we don't want to see.
0: Right. Sound good? And typically I started really the general assessment. So I look at the baby and it's just a general, like, what are the color? And all these things are going through your mind at one time um, because you can see so many things without ever even touching your baby. So really, my newborn exam is starting from the time they were born, Mm -hmm. while they're nursing, because you're seeing tone, you're seeing reflexes, you're seeing them moving their head, You're hearing crying. You're hearing crying. And you're checking respiration. So really, all of that starts way before they're sitting in front of me.
1: True. And I even start with the general assessment. We also do a maturity test and it's based off of this big score called the Ballard. But we're also looking at things to see, are they mature? Are they 39 weeks? Or are they maybe more like closer to 42 weeks looking at things like skin peeling and their ears and, and just how do they look overall and how long we think they
0: cooked? Yeah. And we do have to put our hands on there cause our hands are such a valuable tool. Um, So, you know, we're feeling their head. Actually, we feel their whole body, Mm -hmm. if you think about it, from head to toe. How's the head feeling? And the face, and the thyroid, and the clavicles, and all the way down, their hips. So, our hands are probably our most accurate tool. Eyes and hands.
1: Yeah. Our most valuable tools, and that's for everything, I would say, that has to do with midwifery. So, we did the general assessment, right? We're just with our eyes, looking head to toe. Um, In the general assessment, I included weight and length, chest, and head circumference, because I feel like that's generalized, yeah. not that to one thing. Um, usually, we're not actually weighing our babies. Papas are weighing their babies, and we use a fish scale and a little sack, and it's the cutest thing ever. It's one of my most favorite moments do, of the right? whole exam. Um, and then I typically go head to toe, just so I don't forget anything. Is that what you do, too? I do, too. So, at, at the top of the head, we're going to be doing a measurement. We really typically see about 14 to 15 inches um, centimeters i be like 35 and then we're going to look at the shape of the head the size of the head were there any bulges called cap it maybe that was a positional thing with the baby um, is there any bruising which we call like a hematoma so we're looking at all these things on their head we're also feeling for those spots where the nails are also called the soft spots to see, are they open? We want those things to actually be open. That's a normal newborn head.
0: And we're also looking at suture lines. Um, so I don't know if y'all know this, but a baby, uh, their skull isn't completely seared together yet. Um, so we're looking at, did those suture lines cross over each other? Have they come back down to normal where they were before? Um, And in rare cases, there are no suture lines. And that is a genetic issue if there's no suture lines, if it's completely already sealed. So that's why we're touching your baby's head.
1: Yeah, and the head's
0: my favorite part.
1: They're so cute and round. Um, So then I just go down and I start looking at the eyes. I do kind of check out the the color of the eye. Although all babies are born with a very similar color to their eye, but I'm looking at the pupil. I'm looking at... The white part called the and um, the sclera, the eyelids, um, how they move their eyes. I'm looking at everything. Even even the spatial of, of how far apart the eyes are and where the eyes line up with the ears. I'm looking at all of those things just with my vision.
0: And those are telling us genetic syndromes. Mm-hmm. Um, certain genetic syndromes um, will have certain eye shapes and place how they're placed on the head. Um, so that's what we're looking at.
1: Yeah, and sometimes when we're looking at the eye, we will see like little blood vessels that have burst in the white of the eye. This is really, really normal. It's typically from some pressure from pushing or from the surges.
0: And you might even see your midwife or your physician be looking at your baby's eye with um, an ophthalmoscope. Mm-hmm. So um, they're checking for a couple of things. One is the eye, People contracting and constricting, opening and closing, and we're also looking for a red reflex, and that tells us if there's any kind of brain tumors. Yeah, it's not a tumor. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) And
1: and, and you're also just looking for um, any white spots or any darkening spots. You just want it to be overall pretty similar across the entire eye. The next thing we're, we're evaluating would be the ears, just going down. I would look at the ear, the placement of the ear. Um, there's a certain way if, if there, we really want it, the top of the ear to kind of be in line with the eye. Um, I'm looking at the size, the shape. There are some um, small growths that can be near the tragus that are, are sometimes um, indicative of hearing problems. So I'm looking for anything like that. I'm also looking for are they oversized or undersized? That's important um, with the development of the pinna. And that's associated with, with the syndrome that we also typically see eye issues with called CHARGE. It's pretty rare, but I still look for it. Those little bumps that I was talking about, they're called preauricular skin tags. And they're actually pretty common, but we would just want to, I would recommend a little bit more harshly uh, to do the hearing screen, if I see see those little tags, because they're associated with some issues with hearing. And what nose. else you do yeah.
0: yeah. Then we're going to go down and we're going to look at your nose and I always check and press on each nostril to see if they're breathing out the other side that they're um, breathing out. And probably because of that fact, sometimes um, due to past experience, if I don't see a good nasal flow, um, I might even stick something down their nose which I don't do very often unless I feel a need to, because I have had babies that have what they call um, coangle atresia, and that's when they don't have passages in the skull for the nasal, so the babies aren't breathing out their nose. So if I wasn't seeing that breathing, then I would check for that. Mm -hmm.
1: Just to see if there's a passage to go down. The other thing we really... See, and it's it's similar. And my third child was actually born with it. Is when the septum is off a little bit, and that's the piece of tissue that's down the center of your nose. And that's usually because the baby was swooshed in some position inside, right? So their nose just kind of got squished off to the side. It almost always resolves, but I still do look at that septum to make sure that it goes across.
0: Yeah, uh, we do see that a lot, though. Yeah. Improper nose gets They're Um, Next, we're
1: going to look at the mouth, just continuing down the head. We're looking at the maxilla, the mandala. We want it to open and close without clicks. We want it to open and close evenly, so we do that by watching them move their mouth around.
0: I'm also looking for lip and tongue ties when I do this exam. So I'll push the lip up, and we're looking at that frenulum that's right here. Is it thick? The frenulum above the lip. The frenulum Mm -hmm. above the lip. Thank you, because I just pointed, and nobody's listening to kind of time. <laughs> and they're all screaming at
1: you when they're listening. We what is she
0: saying? <laughs> so that frenulum on the upper lip, we're looking at it. You want it to be on the thinner side, and you want it to be high. So if it's thick, and it's coming down all the way to the bottom of the gums, that's considered a lip tie, and we can have some breastfeeding issues. Mm-hmm. And the other thing we're looking at is tongue ties. Um does your baby's tongue come up and touch the roof of the mouth does your baby tongue um curve around your finger um do they have a nice sucking pattern so and if they don't then we're going to be recommending referring for lip and tongue tight vision
1: and this is all really fast and we're checking for different things at the same time right you yeah. were checking for that sucking reflex but at the same time We're also feeling for that submucosal and mucosal palates to see if there's any clefts there. Yep. Um, So it's really, really fast. It sounds like a lot, but that's all within 20 seconds that we've looked at their mouth.
0: And we've checked a rooting reflex at that moment and the sucking Mm -hmm. reflexing. So the rooting reflex, if you guys don't know, is when that baby kind of chases. If you touch the side of their mouth, they're going to chase that. Um... They're going to move their head towards it. So that's a reading reflex. And it's cute. They want it's that nipple. Really cute. So mean that you tease them, Jim. I know. So mean. They I also me. do
1: peek at their gums, look at the yeah. color of their gums. Sometimes we can have these little pearls that look like teeth. um So I just like to, to recognize that and then tell the parents that I've seen it so that they don't see it later and get concerned about it, if I do see anything like that.
0: And sometimes you'll have these little white specks in the top roof of their mouth or in the back. And those are just like little keratin deposits. They're normal. They're going to resolve on their own and go away. They don't cause anything. But I get people calling me, what's in my baby's now?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Um, so then we just keep scrolling on down and we get to their tiny little necks and we're looking for full range of motion. Oftentimes, um, if babies have a bit of a hard journey coming out um, and they were a little asynclitic, their neck can pull to one side. I'm at loss for the word of that, but chiropractic care can really help torticollis. the stri- torticollis. yes, thank you. Torticollis. And it's important for the breastfeeding journey that that, it, that they get adjusted. I think they have a, an easier transition for breastfeeding if they had a hard journey for, for birth.
0: And sometimes that torticollis isn't a hundred percent, you don't see it. It doesn't make itself completely co- apparent. But if we, I know it's there if your baby doesn't want to bre- breastfeed on one side. Yes. It hurts. <laughs> they don't, And you think, oh, they just don't like the left. Uh, it probably hurts on the left. So they don't want to breastfeed on the left. Um, so if your baby's not breastfeeding on one side, you probably should take them into the chiropractor and let them, um, adjust that and help you give you exercises to release those muscles. Yeah, and,
1: and, and what's causing that is literally inflammation or, or sometimes even a hematoma within those muscles. So yes, it hurts. It and hurts. that's their way of telling us. The other things we're doing is looking for the connection from the head to the shoulder. Um, we look at that from the neck tissue, and it's called webbing um, to where the tissue just connects basically from the top of the neck down to the shoulder. There isn't really a pronounced neck. Um, we're also feeling those clavicle bones for, for fractures, really. We're just feeling that they're whole and that we don't feel anything
0: cracked there. Cause that can also happen with some birth trauma. And we'll want to feel if there's a, cause sometimes you don't always feel that clavicle, but you will hear some weird sounds. Mm-hmm. Actually, I've never palpated a broken clavicle, uh, but that's what I have read.
1: <laughs> so I was born and I had broken clavicles, um, and they found that, and it's, resolves on its own. There's really nothing you do. You just really tenderly hold babies. Babies like to be wrapped um, so that that movement's not happening with the arms. So it's a self-resolving.
0: Yeah. But if they have broken clavicles, they could have damaged brachial nerves, too, so that definitely needs um, follow-up. Yeah,
1: so now we're going to go down and we're going to be looking at the chest area. So in the chest, we've got the heart. When newborns go ahead and take that first breath, there's an entire cascade of events that happen, right? So so the pressure decreases the resistance that's needed, right? So it, it decreases, and then this is going to be the first time where there's oxygen exchange was it was it birth? all the shunts that are within the heart are supposed to then close because the resistance changes so we're looking for that through sounds.
0: So that means like in utero, your baby's heart pumping is really not going into the lungs. So we're not getting oxygen from the lungs, we're getting oxygen from mom. Mm-hmm. So for us, or after they're born, now they're going to get oxygen from the lungs. So when the baby takes that first breath, now we've got blood going into the lungs, pulling out the oxygen, taking it to the baby. For that to happen, these shunts in the heart have to close. They don't always close immediately and right away, but it just it does change the blood flow yes. that's happening. Um, and we're listening for that.
1: We are listening. And, and not only do we listen for that, and of course we're counting beats and we're listening to what the beat sounds like, but we're also listening for what it doesn't sound like. We're hoping, well, murmurs can be okay. They, they tend to resolve, but we're listening for that. Mm-hmm. Are there any murmurs? Are there any extra sounds in the first few hours of life? So we're not only listening to the heart during the newborn exam, listening several times but for sure during the newborn exam.
0: And when we're looking at I've had one really apparent murmur. Most murmurs are benign mm-hmm. and like Andy says they resolve and sometimes they have they don't necessarily resolve but they wait and see if it's gonna affect anything. Um, so if your midwife or your provider says they're hearing these sounds, the next thing you're gonna want to know is is my baby nice and pink or are they breastfeeding well do they have good tone if all of those things are normal then we're not all that concerned with the different sounds we may hear yeah if everything else is normal because we know that they resolve on their own
1: the other thing we do that has to do with the heart and and usually this is the last thing i do but just because we're talking about the heart and to bring it up is we do um, a cardiac heart screening and this is with the pulse ox and we put it on their hand and we get a reading and then we put it on their foot and we get a reading, and we really want that to be a certain percentage
0: and pretty similar to each other. All right, so, we're looking at oxygenation above the heart and oxygenation below the heart. And it can pick up certain um, heart conditions, not a lot though, only like three or four, but congenital heart conditions if that percentage point is over 3%. And they really get three chances to pass that test because sometimes they don't pass it in 24 hours. So, they get up to 72 it's hours. It's hard to, pass to the the be test.
1: little, it's so hard. Most of them pass it. It though <laughs> That's it.
0: they do good, uh, and then we're going to
1: listen to the lungs. We're going to do an entire respiratory examination again where we're counting breath sounds, but also where we're listening are there any extra sounds in there, crackles, or wheezing, or difficulties? And so we hear some fluid trying to trying to come out.
0: And really, we want to hear that the lungs are moving, that yeah. we're moving air in all four fields, and that their respirations are at a normal rate. And normal respirations for newborns is anywhere from 30 to 60. Um, some babies breathe a little bit faster, so if they're at 70, I'm not too concerned, but if they're hanging out at 80 and 90, yeah, I like that. Yeah, and
1: one of the main reasons why we would ever transfer a baby is, is called transient, yeah. Yeah, transient tachypnea of the newborn. And most of the time that resolves within 24 hours. They just need to be watched. Yeah. Because they're just not getting on board with this breathing deal.
0: We don't see it that often. No, we don't. Really, babies transition or they don't. hmm <laughs> They don't like transition, everything's perfect, and they don't. Although every now and then you'll get a baby. Not that they haven't transitioned, but sometimes all the mechanism for finishing clearing those fluids doesn't happen, and um, because in that first twenty-four to forty-eight hours, they're still going to be coughing up and clearing fluids that used to be all in their lungs. And even though their lung fields are opening, if they don't continue, the body doesn't continue to absorb or get rid of that fluid, then they'll have that. How do you say that word? Fast respirations. To keep I can't say it. <laughs> Tachypnea. Tachypnea. They'll, they'll get that and they need to be monitored. They can also get a bacteria because the fluids is sitting there and not going anywhere. That usually happens later. Yeah. Not at the newborn time. We're also looking
1: at their little skin and that's not just like in one swoop. We're doing it as we go through the body but I'm looking for birthmarks. I'm looking for sacral dimples. Uh, Lots of babies have sacral dimples. It's right at the top of their butt crack. I have a sacral dimple, but we need it to be a certain size because if it's too big or too deep, that's indicative of some issues.
0: And we want to know if it's closed. Yes. Um, And if it's too deep to tell if it's closed, then it's recommended that you get an ultrasound for your baby.
1: We're looking for bruising, petechiae, Um, Little red spots. Little red spots. And I'm always just saying, hey, I see this little spot here on their bottom that's called a Mongolian spot. Or I see this little darkened area here on their back, that's cafe au lait. See this red spot between their their eyes and their forehead or behind their neck, that's called a stork bite. And we usually just talk through those normal newborn markings so that parents aren't uh, fearful.
0: Then when we're looking at the whole torso, we're going to look at the chest. Is it the same size on both sides? Is the tummy protruding? Is it sucking in? Mm-hmm. Um, so we wanna make sure everything's perfect. Girls well, girls and boys, does it matter? Babies can get these little lumps under their breast tissue. That's really normal. Um, if you guys play with them, the baby will lactate. So you wanna leave them alone, the body will reabsorb that. But that's really just hormones from mom. Yeah, the other thing
1: I always look at is, is um the rib cage going in or out pectus uh, excavatum or pectus coronatum and the other thing is that xiphoid process which is right at the bottom of the rib cage. sometimes that can protrude out and it'll I think parents get really worried get really about worried that about when it, it pokes out. Yeah. out so I always like to say oh right here this is just a really pronounced xiphoid process and it's fine yeah that's that looks really good I also like to tell them too if I see extra nipples because nipples can grow from where your nipple is all the way down the line. So you can even have them on your kneecaps. Usually they're right around the grass. I've only seen it in the hospital. I haven't seen it in any of our clients. But it's actually pretty common. I don't remember the percentage, but extra nipples is common. And people tend to think that they're moles. But if you ever lactate, you can lactate out of axillary
0: nipples. Yeah. We're going to be looking at the baby's abdomen. We're going to be listening for bowel sounds. It would be really worrisome if we heard nothing. Yeah. Um, we should hear something. That's why we're always asking you to baby poop. What's <laughs> going on? And if there aren't any bowel sounds, your baby's probably getting infected. We're looking at the umbilical cord. Is there any weirdness about it i don't even know how to put it because we've seen some interesting umbilical cords most of times it doesn't matter they're going to be great but sometimes they can have a little bit of the energy from the baby's body come through the base of the umbilical cord so we're looking for that
1: and we just did an entire podcast on cords so if you want to check out more information about cords you can check out our last podcast yeah then we're gonna like we said we look at the whole baby so of course we're going to look at their genitals Two different exams, right, if we have female genitalia versus male genitalia. For for girls, if they are term or beyond, we tend to see that the labia majora, those are like the outside cheeks, those are more prominent. And for babies who are a little bit earlier, the labia minora and the clitoris seem to be more prominent. So that's really telling us baby's age yeah we're looking at and then we'll see sometimes a little bit of white discharge it tends to be vernix i always tell people leave it there i know you, you think that it's some kind of infection or something that's not supposed to be there that will melt away it's the most beautiful lotion just let it melt.
0: Yep, yeah, it's fine. And for boys, we're looking to see if both testicles have dropped down. Because if it's not, they're going to need some follow-up. Most of the time, they're going to drop down. But that's what we're looking for. And then we're looking at the meatus. And we're looking at the urethra. Is it nice and centered? Is the baby able to pee out if Because if that, if that foreskin is covering it closed and doesn't open, then your baby's going to have problems. Right. And by meatus, she just needs the
1: pee hole. So if... If it can be anywhere down the entire length of the penis yes. shaft. It, it isn't always on the top and in the center. So really, that's the best place for it to be somewhere around the top and in the center. But there are people that even have it on the underside near the testes of their penis. So we really have to find that opening to make sure that they can urinate. Yep.
0: Yeah. And we are looking at their little bottom and their rectum. If they haven't had a bowel movement, then we're kind of what they call it, anal winking. To kind of open their cheeks and... Can you see that it's open
1: passageway? Yeah, and and we're also looking for that dimple because it's at the top of the butt crack. Next, we're looking at their extremities, hands, feet, legs. Is there any webbing between the fingers and toes? That's called syndactyly. Do they
0: have 10 fingers and toes? Yeah.
1: Or do they have extra? Do they have more than 10 fingers and toes? That's called polydactyly. And, and we have had babies with that. Mm-hmm. If they don't have bones, it's pretty simple. I'm just a little clip off. But if they have bones, you need to go, go get some, um, some more medical help because that's not yeah, us. That's uh, but usually, it's not an issue at all. It's completely an aesthetic thing.
0: We're looking at the palms of their hands. How are their creases looking? Um, Certain creases tell us are indicative of Down syndrome, so that's one of the reasons why we're looking at at that. And we're looking, do they have good tongue? Can they open and close? Do they grab your little finger.
1: Yeah, and that's one of the reflexes too. We're also, when we're checking extremities, we go down to the legs. Uh, When they're on their tummy, I look and I make sure all the creases underneath their bottom and by their knees line up and they're symmetric. And while they're on their back, we are checking for hip dysplasia. And it's really just an opening and closing of the legs. And that's two different moves. It's called Barlow and Artale maneuver. And we're listening for clicks.
0: And we're also looking at the bottom of the feet for those same creases. Do the creases go all the way down to the heel? Again, that tells us the age of baby. The more creases they have in their feet, the older the baby is. And we're also looking at reflexes on their feet.
1: And if, if their skin's peely, that's also a. Yeah. An indication that they cooked for a minute.
0: And I think we covered the neurological exam by just going all over. Neurological exam is really looking at all of those reflexes from their hands, from their shoulders, from their body, from their mouth, um, their feet. A um, little stepping reflex. Well, that's that's the cutest think. one. I so cute. It's step- <laughs> we just say, let's get to stepping. So do they do that? Yeah.
1: And then we do the Babinski and their little toes flare out like a fan. It's really cute. Yeah. And that would be the new one exam. head up we to go. go.
0: Now you guys know what we're looking for and you can look at even of those things yourself. Yeah. So have a good day. We'll see you next Monday for the next
1: Midwife Monday. Bye everybody.